David offers a stern warning to the man who will not repent of evil ways and sinful practices. He also shows us how to have a heart after God's own heart in serving with a contrite spirit and a good conscience before God in the midst of the evil that surrounds us. Hello and welcome to the Netcast Podcast, where you will find Bible studies that follow an in-depth approach to sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. I am your host, Mark Hatfield, and my prayer is that you are encouraged by these lessons from the Word of God. Thank you for listening to today's message. Hello and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Netcast Podcast. If you want to follow along today, please get your Bible and turn to Psalm 7. We're going to pick right up where we left off in this series in Psalms. This week, I have titled the message, Thanksgiving to the Lord Most High. And in light of the upcoming season of fall, and as we enter into the holidays and we go into the Thanksgiving holiday in particular, we're going to be focusing today on the last verse in this psalm where David says, I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Now, while most people focus on David's crying out to the Lord, we need to see his words coming from a heart full of thanksgiving and praise. Everything that we have comes from the Lord our God. David is going to address the Lord regarding the following things for which he is thankful and wants to give praise to God. This psalm is called a shigeon, which is a dithyrambic rhythm or quick changes in rhythm or a wild passionate song. And David is giving thanks and praising God according to his righteousness for the following things. Verses 1 and 2 for deliverance, verses 3 through 5 for equity, verses 6 through 11 for vindication, and then finally verses 12 to 16 for judgment. David offers a stern warning to the man who will not repent of evil ways and sinful practices. He also shows us how to have a heart after God's own heart in serving with a contrite spirit and a good conscience before God in the midst of the evil that surrounds us. Let's begin with a reading of Psalm 7. As we start the message today, thank you in advance for your attention to the Word of God. A Shigeon of David, which he sang to the Lord, concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite. O Lord my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me, lest like a lion they tear my soul apart, rending it in pieces with none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it, and let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Selah. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me. You have appointed a judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples be gathered about you. Over it return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. O oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end, and may you establish the righteous, you who test the minds and hearts, O righteous God. My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole that he has made. His mischief returns upon his own head. 
and on his own skull his violence descends. I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. Now focusing our attention on verses 1 and 2, we get our first point for today, and that is giving thanks for deliverance in the Lord. He says again, O Lord my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me, or he will tear my soul like a lion dragging me away while there is none to deliver. You see, David needed to be delivered from his enemies before it was too late. And while many have speculated about the backstory for this psalm, we are only told that this psalm was sung to the Lord concerning Cush, a Benjamite. This has caused many to believe that David is writing figuratively about Saul, who pursued his life and calling him Cush. Others have simply treated the psalm in a general way, pointing out that David had many enemies, and this is just one example for how David leaned on the Lord for divine deliverance in this challenging time in his life. The details of who was chasing him aren't as important as the God who saves him. Twice David uses the word deliver in these first two verses. To be delivered from the hand of an enemy is such a relief. While our enemy is in hot pursuit and we fear for our life, we need a hiding place, as in Psalm 57, verse 1. And David looks to the Lord and implores him to be his rescuer. So David is thankful to have God as a Savior, and he finds deliverance and refuge in the Lord. David proclaims, O Lord my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me. In other words, you are my shelter in this storm. You are a place of rest from all of the chaos. You are my salvation, my song, my hope, my all in all. See Psalm 61 verse 4 for more information. David is grateful to have a friend to turn to when so many are trying to kill him. David tells the Lord, If you do not protect me and keep me safe, I will be ripped to shreds like a lion tears the flesh of its prey and crushes the bones. But David was not so much worried about his flesh, but his soul. The life here is the nephesh being torn apart and his spiritual condition being shaken by their attacks. We likewise cannot be so concerned about what man can do to our flesh, but what will happen to our souls if we do not take cover in the presence of the Lord. David states that the enemy would be dragging me away where there is none to deliver. And we have all watched the National Geographic shows where a lion is chasing its prey. The prey will dart from right to left, making sharp turns and trying to avoid being caught in the mouth and the claws of the lion. If the lion catches the prey, it will drag it off to eat it, and there is no hope for deliverance. And we can get so distanced in a place where our enemies want to take us away from God, where there it is a point of no return. David asked God to get him out of this physical mess that is affecting his well-being and his eternal soul. He is tired of running. He needs safety. He needs a place to rest. Don't wait until it's too late to call upon the Lord for help. Sometimes when we read passages like this, we have a difficult time making personal life application because very few of us have actually found ourselves in this circumstance that David is going through from a physical perspective. But how about from a spiritual perspective? David mentions how the enemy will tear him up like a lion. We have an enemy called Satan that prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, seeking souls to devour. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. And we are not ignorant of his schemes, yet many souls have become victims to temptation, to trials, and have been torn by the attacks of Satan and wounded with his fiery darts. 
in order to avoid being a statistic to the onslaught of evil, take refuge in the Lord. Satan might not bring on a full-on attack, as sometimes his approach is to simply keep you from reading your Bible, praying to God, attending the services of the church, giving to the work of the kingdom, serving others. Remember that the enemy will win if he can keep you distracted and distanced from the Lord. At an opportune time, he will overtake you and then devour your soul. Be thankful if you have found deliverance, salvation, and refuge in the Lord. He promises that no one will be able to take you from his hand. No one will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ. The only person that could sever your relationship with the Lord is you. You can leave the shelter of his grace. And this leads us to our next point in our study of Psalm 7, and that comes from verses 3 through 5, giving thanks for equity in the Lord. He says again, O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to my friend, or have plundered him who without cause was my adversary, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it, and let him trample my life down to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Selah. David is asking God to search him and see if he has caused any of the chaos in his life. This is a good idea from time to time, to ask God to be fair in analyzing our spiritual condition before Him. Check in with the Lord and let Him know that we are willing to acknowledge where we have come up short of His glory. If we are going through something, instead of blaming everyone else, it might be good to take inventory of what sin might exist in our own life that could be the cause of some turmoil surrounding us. David is in essence repenting. But in the same breath, he is also fully convinced that the Lord will not find the unrighteousness in his soul. When we repent, we are telling God, If I have done this, and I am the root cause of what I am facing today, I want to change that, and yet I realize that there might be consequences, but I seek your forgiveness. So David understands that it may cost him his life if he is found guilty. David is so certain that he is not the source of this crisis that he is willing to lose his physical life and his soul over it. He has been in this situation before, as in 1 Samuel 24, 10 and 11, where he had the chance to kill Saul in a cave, and instead he spared him, since he was the Lord's anointed. And David's response was, See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. Again, since he knows that he has striven with all of his heart to do what is right, all he can do is express that he would give up his life, his soul, and his glory if he had done anything wrong. And even though he is innocent, he is still being hunted like prey. While David is not justifying himself in self-righteousness, he trusts that the Lord will see his heart and offer him divine justification, which will preserve his earthly life save his soul, and offer him eternal glory with the Lord. We must have this same contrite spirit before God and trust in him for salvation. David had every right to defend his upright heart. Acts 25, verse 11. How many of us have a heart after God's own heart that we would be willing to say the same thing to the Lord? Lord, if it is my fault, let me be punished, overtaken by the enemy and killed for my wrongs. This would be tough unless you had a heart of repentance. David is thankful that God sees not only our actions, but the thoughts and intentions of the heart. While men look at the outward appearance, God looks inward to the heart level. And this leads us to the third point, where David will address the integrity that is in his heart and the righteousness he shares in the Lord. 
David is vindicated by the Lord, which means he is cleared of the blame and right before God. David says he is giving thanks for vindication in the Lord, verses 6 through 10. Let's look at those verses again. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift up yourself against the rage of my adversaries and arouse yourself for me. You have appointed judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples encompass you and over them return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. O let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. For the righteous God tries the hearts and minds. My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. So David is thankful that God is righteous as a judge and will be fair and just in his judgment. David asked God to get involved in his case and rise to the occasion in anger, as in Psalm 3 and verse 7. You may recall in our last study in Psalm 6 that David asked God not to rebuke him in anger or chasten him in his wrath. This is because David had a heart after God and his will. David knows the mercy and grace of God and desires that over his punishment. For those that have lived in perpetual sin and unrighteousness, David asked God to lift himself up against the rage of the enemy set against him. He adds that God should be roused to take action because it is God who already said that he would punish wickedness in judgment. And David wants the Lord to let people be gathered around and for him to reign supreme over all men. David desires for God's just verdict to be pronounced over every case. And by God exercising his righteous judgment, it would cause all the people to encompass him and exalt him. And this could be similar to the vision in Isaiah 6, verse 1, where the Lord is seated on the throne, high and exalted. In other words, show them who is seated on the throne and let the world know who is the judge over all things. In David's case, he asked for vindication, that is, clearing him of blame or suspicion, based on the fact that in his heart of hearts, he knew that he was in good standing with the Lord and had done nothing to bring about the evil in these men who were seeking his life. David believed that he was a man of integrity. In this scenario, although at other times he sinned and had to deal with the consequences of his own wrongdoing, here he pleaded with God to let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but at the same time, that God would establish the righteous. David was thankful that he was making these requests of a righteous God. Now, David knows that God tries the hearts and minds of men. We see it in Psalm 26, verse 2. But in Jeremiah eleven twenty, the prophet states, But, O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tries the feelings in the heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you have I committed my cause. This goes deeper than thoughts, but he is referencing the innermost part of our being. Some would say it referred to the kidneys and internal organs. It's the same word as in Psalm 139, verse 13. The point is that God is intimately acquainted with our innermost parts. Nothing will be hidden from his sight, but everything is on display before him. David revisits the facts that he takes refuge in God and adds, My shield is with God. See Psalm 5, verse 12. I stand in his protection or his defense, and he will save me because I am upright. The Lord hasn't changed because even the church was told that God searches our hearts and our minds in Revelation 2, 20-23. One day there will be a final judgment, and each one will stand before the Lord and be judged according to their works. Jeremiah 17, 10, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. Unlike earthly judges that are fallible and make mistakes in their sentencing from time to time, God is a righteous judge. His rulings are fair and they are true. 
But the Lord is not a judge to sit back and ignore evil. David concluded that God has indignation, which includes wrath against unrighteousness, every single day. David is thankful to stand in the righteousness of God. Now, finally today, in verses 11 through 17, David is giving thanks for judgment in the Lord. It is important that we celebrate the wrath of God as his children and be thankful for his judgment. Why? David begins to explain the indignation of God towards those that sin and do evil against us. God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. If a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. That is a judgment in Romans 13, 4. He has bent his bow and made it ready. He has also prepared for himself deadly weapons. He makes his arrows fiery shafts. You can go back and read about this, not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New. Deuteronomy 32, 36 to 43, Revelation 19, 11 to 21. God will hunt down those that have rebelled against him. These are the same sinners that bring hurt to us. And as long as sin and unrighteousness exist, we will not have true peace and everlasting joy. And this is why we rejoice over God's judgment. We all groan and yearn for the paradise of God to be restored, and this cannot occur in its fullness until the wrath of God destroys wickedness in hell. Revelation 20, 11 through 15, Revelation 21, 1 through 9. Next, David discusses the downfall of one living in sin and unrighteousness. Behold, he travails with wickedness, that is, he cannot wait to produce more evil. And he conceives mischief. He's constantly conjuring up and thinking about wicked plans. And he brings forth falsehood. He's eager to tell his next set of lies. He has dug a pit, he says, and howled it out, and has fallen into the hole which he made. His mischief will return upon his own head, and his violence will descend upon his own pate, or what is referred to as the crown of his head. While we do not wish that any soul will perish, there will be a day of reckoning, and we rejoice in it. In other words, the person that will not take refuge in the Lord refuses to repent of their sins, and they deny righteousness from God. They are digging a hole for themselves and making a grave. Psalm 9, 15-20. And they're also ushering in a severe punishment from God one day. Isaiah 63, 1-9. Have you ever had someone say to you, give me that shovel before you dig a deeper hole? That means stop what you're doing before it's too late. These individuals are like those mentioned in James that allow lust to conceive and they give birth to sin and when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Here is a prime example of this downfall and destruction. See also Isaiah 24, 16 and 17. I hope that we can say with David instead, I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Exodus 15, 2 through 3. We know that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. The Bible says so in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. We don't have to fear judgment because we already know and we have confidence in our verdict from God. We will be proclaimed as righteous because we are forgiven. It's hard to be thankful when we're going through less than desirable life situations. Yet David expresses thanksgiving and praise in the midst of challenging times for deliverance in the Lord, verses 1 and 2, for equity in the Lord, verses 3 through 5, for vindication in the Lord, verses 6 through 11, and for judgment in the Lord, verses 12 through 16. As we close our study together today, we like to offer an invitation. Where do you stand with the Lord this day? Are you in Christ? Are you a child of God? Is God your shield? Have you repented of your own shortcomings? 
do you rely fully upon the righteous judgment of God to save you by His mercy and grace extended in His Son, Jesus Christ? Don't wait until it's too late to get your life right with the Lord. Lay down that shovel that you've been digging your own grave with and come and serve the Lord. If you need to become a Christian in obedience to the gospel or you have need of some spiritual restoration, just prayer for encouragement, I want to be there to assist you. Reach out to me by email, contact me through our website, and I'll be glad to either help you personally or get you in contact with a local church in your area that can assist you. Well, this concludes our episode for today. Thank you for listening. Have you visited the Netcast podcast store yet? This is going to provide you with a place to get your Netcast merch. At the same time, you will be supporting the Netcast podcast with a portion of your purchase and securing an opportunity to talk about the faith that we share together on this podcast. Click the shop link to learn more at netcasthost.com forward slash shop. Thank you for your support in advance. In season six, titled Psalms of Life, I have a special offer that is connected with the series in the book of Psalms. If you partner with Netcast during our sixth season, I want to send you the complete outline for the studies, but I will also be including the supplemental PowerPoint slideshows to guide you in your study. If you want to become a partner or make a donation, you can send PayPal donations using netcasthost at gmail.com or visit patreon.com forward slash netcast to learn more about how you can get on board with this podcast. I have also added this podcast to buymeacoffee.com forward slash netcasthost where you can send a small gift of any amount to help support the show. Thank you in advance. If you are not able to support this ministry effort financially at this time, would you please consider doing one of the following? First, please subscribe and continue to be a dedicated listener. Next, please share Netcast with your friends and family and encourage them to subscribe. Finally, consider leaving a review for the podcast so that your positive feedback could encourage others to listen. Take a few moments after we sign off today to visit our website at netcasthost.com. Here you will find transcripts of the podcast on the blog. You can sign up for the free newsletter, become a member, and join Netcast for free, which will give you access to hidden portions of the podcast host site like our members forum and so much more. Don't forget to check out our social media sites on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to like and follow the podcast as we use these sites to keep you current on what is happening at Netcast. Every new episode is announced on these media outlets. Until next time, God bless you richly in Jesus Christ, our Lord.